0818-715-815. Hello, good afternoon, and you are very welcome to Liveline. Katie Hannan with you until three today. And listeners have been reacting to those uh, very controversial comments from uh, by Pope Francis in the Vatican yesterday. Uh, in case you've missed them, I'll just give you a flavour of uh, what he was saying. He was talking about people substituting pets for children. He said that today we see a form of selfishness. We see that some people do not want to have a child. Sometimes they have one and that's it. But they have dogs and cats that take the place of children. And this may make people laugh, he says, but it is a reality. Um, And he goes on to say that the practice is a denial of fatherhood and motherhood and diminishes us and takes away our humanity. Gina Hetherington, good afternoon to you. Hello, Cathy. How are you? <laughs> He's thrown another cat among the pigeons, so indeed, to speak. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> uh, what did uh, our producer say over there? It's kittens, not kids. Uh, <laughs> uh, do do well, you um, have an opinion? <laughs> an opinion on the Pope's opinion? Well, put it this way: this is coming from a man who chose not to have children or pets. Um, his name, I mean, is enough like St. Francis, Pope Francis. St. Francis was the patron saint of animals, where the Pope's name comes from. Of course, Francis of Assisi. Yes. <laughs> um, look, it, there are so many people who, who you know, they're, 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 not being, they're not able to support children emotionally or financially, and, and uh, that having them is selfish. Not, not having them is selfish. Um, you know, a, a child is a huge thing in anybody's life and a wonderful thing I didn't go that route myself Um, I went the other route the one that the Pope didn't like but um, (laughs) it's it's, uh, I mean we have even our staff here uh, one of them has uh, no two of them have children I mean the rest are just people who prefer animals to people Uh, so where where are you based there Gina what's uh, your staff uh, we have 11 staff uh, Paws Animal Rescue in Mullinahone and uh, we, we, you know, the, the the way I look at it is like with climate change and overpopulation and people not being able to get houses and no health care and and then they want he wants them to bring more children into the world and saying that they're wrong not to. I mean, um, and you know, can, and can I ask you, Gina? And I mean, this is obviously a very personal question. So, so um, tell me. Um, no, no if you don't want to. But did you make a conscious decision not to have children or, or was it just something that didn't come your way? I was Googling uh, sterilisation when I was 14 or 15 years old. All right. So so this uh, is something... I have made my decision back that far. Wow. Um, and I'm now 62 tomorrow, next week. 62, yeah. <laughs> I lose track. So once you go over 50, you lose track. <laughs> but no, I made that decision <clears throat> from the time I was a teenager. And I think quite a few people do, but they just don't come out and say it, you know. Why, why though? I, I mean, was there something... Well, you're either maternal or you're not. And um, I was never maternal. Um, it's just the way it is. And uh, I preferred dogs to people, uh, as in the company of. And, you know, all our lives growing up, we all had dogs. Um, now, my three brothers all have children. I was the only girl, but I decided I didn't want any children. And 
you know, I've gone a whole different route. Now I've, over the years, I've, I, I mean, I have a girl that works for me. She came to work for me when she was uh, 12 years old, and she's now 39. And I consider her my child, <laughs> although her mother might have something to say about that. And and she also has decided that she doesn't want children. Uh, some of the other ladies that work here have decided that they don't want children. Uh, it, it's a, such a personal choice for people and for the Pope to come out and say something like that, I think, is shocking because, you know, it is a dig at women. Let's get straight about it because men don't have babies. Yes, well, I suppose he did say it diminishes motherhood and fatherhood. Yeah, so he yeah. was he was inclusive inclusive in, in that in that way. But can I? And you're right, of course, that when when decisions are made about children, you rarely hear anybody judging men for no. for not having children. Uh, but but people do often. I think. Am I right in this? And you'll know this more than me, Gina. Do do people? raise their eyebrow at you? I mean, would you genuinely share with people that you made a conscious decision not to have children? Well, if anybody asked me, I would, yeah. I mean, like, uh, you know, you often ask the course of conversation and interviews. And like, uh, you know, I remember being interviewed for a Nationwide many years back and when I was in my 40s. And the lady asked me, had I, you know, had, what did, had I got a husband? And I said, no. I said, if you could find me a man that'll sleep in a bedroom with 10 dogs, I said, um, I'd consider it. And actually, as it turned out, I did <laughs> afterwards. But uh, he's passed away since, nothing to do with the dogs. But um, I, I think some people just, it's not in their horizon at all. You know, it's not even in their zone. But, but do, but do people, people generally? Yeah, but yes, I was going to say. Do you think people find that weird? Do you, or do you feel judged, or, or do you know? You, as you say, you just happen to have, have a number of people there working with you that have taken the same decision as yourself. Yeah, you, and you may, may have discussed this between yourselves. Like, do you, do do you find that other people may be judgy about this? Never, never. I, I've never come across anybody that said, uh, "Oh, uh, you know," like a lot of our guys here in their in their thirties and early forties and, and like there would all be people that have chosen a whole different path in life. Um but but again and as far as I'm aware, all Catholics then I may be wrong in that one, but uh And you're you know, a Catholic you're a Catholic yourself, Gina? I am, yeah, yeah. I went to a, I was taught by the nuns and actually my friend Nolene told me that she remembers me standing up in religion class one day when I was about 12 or 13 because they were discussing that you couldn't get married if you didn't want to have children. And she said, I stood up in the classroom and I said to the nun that that, that's not right. And I actually got asked to remove myself from the classroom. So, uh, yeah, it's going back that far, yes. I'm afraid. <laughs> deep rooted, deep seated uh, with yeah, you, Gina. Yeah. You, yeah. Had your mind, you had your mind very firmly on this from a really young age. And tell me, did the fact that you're a Catholic and, and, and you hear the Pope coming out with this stuff. I think that the, 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 the Catholic Church, and this is all personal opinion, this has nothing to do with the, the organisation, but the Catholic Church needs people to go back to the church. And the more that they're doing this, the more they're not going to get the young people. You know, it, it's just, that day is gone, you know, mm. and gone long, you know. Um, I mean, like, if, if priests could get married, they'd probably be a little more compassionate and understand people more. 
um, it, it's it's um, I just think it's totally wrong. When I heard that, I actually saw it this morning on Twitter at eight o'clock, and I said, "Oh dear Lord, what's he started now?" <laughs> and that was before your research rang me. <laughs> Because I think that people, I think pets give unconditional love. They, they they don't care if you're haven't washed your hair for the week. They don't care if you're in your gardening clothes, or if you smell a bit that you've been out doing the compost heap. You know, it's it's, it's whereas children are, are they're hard work. You know, and I see my own brothers and and the, the children, and it's tough tough uh, you know to be rearing kids and like their children are now rearing kids in this day and age and it's getting harder financially and every other way for people and um, you know it should be said it should be said a lot of people I suppose who would really like to have have children now you know without without a house or or with other financial issues um, maybe can't make that decision indeed (laughs) Gina will you hang on there I want to bring in um, Emmanuel uh, Emmanuel Sweeney good afternoon Emmanuel yeah, good afternoon, Katie. Yeah, uh, I was just listening to your former speaker there, and uh, I would say the first question I would have is why would the Pope make such a remark, being a Jesuit? What would be the motif behind his remark? And uh, I would imagine that there's a lot of competition around the world with different religions, but leaving that aside, if you take my, uh, the, where the world is at at the moment in terms of the global politics, in terms of the problematics of climate change, the issues of resources, uh, mankind's failure to uh, uh, work with nature in terms of how we function on the planet and so on. So there's, there's a lot of issues at that level. Then as a former speaker mentioned about the economics of the costs of children, but I think there's something much wider going on in the world. I think young people around the world, and it's not in, in, in Ireland, it's, it's like the falling birth rate in Japan, there's obviously various countries where they have a rising young population, and then there are many countries, the older European countries, with a decline in population. But in terms of actually, if you move then towards the personal, in terms of uh, not having children, having children, I would find it a little judgmental uh, from the Pope's point of view to, for example, people have various pains in their life, they have historical reasons, they have all types of and perspectives on the human condition and sometimes people are not able to cope with children maybe they could have a you can cope with a dog or a cat or they, they, they you know people have different ways of coping in life I think that to just come out with a statement and say that uh, people are being selfish I think that's correct because everybody has to make a decision from their own perspective everybody tries in their life to do what best what, what they can do within their capacity within their capacity within their relatives, within the broader society and so on. So from my perspective, I, I would be more inclined to be less judgmental and I would say that uh, everybody, uh, very often in life, people don't choose the life that they're in. As they often say, life is what happens to you while you're planning something else. But so uh, I think that... When so you, I think, w- to, uh, yeah. your, your opening um, remark there, Emmanuel, you said you've got to look at this in the wider context of what's going on. I mean, do you, do you feel that, that he, he might have a point in relation to, as you say, falling birth rates and uh, in, in, in the Western world? I mean, do you see any basis for what, why he might come out with this stuff? Well, I mean, I, I, first of all, I, I don't know... I can't judge the post motives and what he says, but I for, I would move immediately to the personal and say that people make the decisions they can as best they can within their own lives, and I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be prepared to say what is the reason why somebody might or might not have children. Maybe they didn't meet the right person. Maybe 
and mostly they have issues. Maybe they would love to meet somebody. Maybe the relations they have didn't, didn't work out. So from my perspective, it, it, it doesn't be... They say all politics is local, but so is all decisions. All decisions we make are local in relation to our own lives. So, uh, I mean, Pope may have uh, opinions about why, I w- w- but I think there's something much happening in the world. I think I think the whole COVID crisis has brought us into touch with uh, nature, about whether we respect nature or not, and how we relate to nature, and how we relate to the resources of the planet, and how we uh, interrelate uh, in our whole economy to be the, the, the limitations of nature and so on and so forth. So I think there's so much wider happening uh, that is going to change a lot of things around the world in the future. I think it's a, the, the I, new I, generation, sure. I think, are all thinking differently. They're, they're not in... They're, they're struggling to cope but with the world think, they've come into. And sorry to cut across you there, Emmanuel, but just yeah, what Gina sure. was saying there, that she was like, you know, when she saw this thing blowing up this morning, she thought, you know, this is the last thing a church that wants to, to engage with younger people should be should be coming out with, or the Pope should be coming out with, when, when, you know, the church needs to re-engage with this new, you know, with younger generations. Would you agree with her? Well, I think that the, 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 then the question goes, is the church out to please people or to be strategic in terms of uh, the numbers they can attract to the church and so on? Or is, or is the church, as followers of Christ, saying, uh, what would Christ, would Christ make that remark? Would Christ judge people for the decisions they make in the, in the, in the limitations and capacity and they would have he, in their think? own lives? Would he? Would that no, be? I, I, no, I don't think Christ would. I think right. Christ would be much less judgmental. I think he would be coming from the perspective of compassion. I think there's a, there's a great piece, I think it's on one of, whether it's Lenstall Abbey or not, in one of their prayer books, it says, come to me, all you are heavily burdened, and I shall give you rest. I believe Christ would be thinking in those terms, rather than worrying about populations. I think I think compassion is the key. Right. OK, Emmanuel, thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, I want to bring in Philip. Philip, good afternoon to you. Hello, Kate. How are you? Uh, what do you make of this? Well, it's very interesting. I, would, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, I... I, I Listen to the voices there and the, the notion of how tough it is to bring up children and the notion then that life is, you know, it's often quite accidental that you have them as in the course of your life. But I, 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 do, I, I do find that uh, it, it's likely that this debate could get kind of controversial and kind of get distracted by the fact that it came from the Pope or whatever like that. But the thing is, um, with European population and birth rate decreasing, there is, uh, you know, uh, may, maybe a necessity to focus on where we're developing as a society, you know, going into the next quarter century. Like, if people are having a lot of pets and the pet industry surrounding all of that shows how much is growing, and that that's, through that they are displacing their natural giftedness of love and kind of care towards uh, um, towards pets and maybe having only one child or in some cases no, that there is something to talk about in terms of the way society uh, through government and agencies support or doesn't support uh, young people, uh, you know, uh, in, in, in their attempt to kind of uh, get it together to have a family and raise a family. That there is an issue that he's touching upon that has a wider validity. I, I, you know, Katie, I, I don't think it's really about... Uh, uh, it didn't sound to me like he's making a kind of a, a narrow, like medieval type of moral judgment on people. Well, well he did he, say now, to be fair, Philip, he said that it's a form of selfishness. Well, maybe it's... It, it's a form. It, I I didn't re-engage with the whole thing. I just picked up and I heard the the, uh, the notice on the radio. I said I, I tune in. But what I see there is displacement of you know from 
uh, average family size of three or four years ago into a much smaller uh, family unit, but where pets, you know, arguably maybe do to some extent compensate for the companionship and uh, the directing of, of love towards such a creature or creatures. So, uh, you know, and I think to some extent uh, there's a displacement going on there because of the lack of uh, supports for, uh, for young people who try to raise children. Uh, particularly in relation to being able to rent or buy a property that they could settle in. I, I think that it, it kind of connects to that aspect of, uh, of, uh, of our predicament in Ireland at the moment. And I, I do think that a lot of people, you know, uh, treat pit pets, you know, with a kind of a, a ridiculous level of, of, of care and concern. Like, it, it wouldn't surprise me if the history books in, in 100 years' time recorded the, the, the beginning of the first temples for dogs and cats and, and things like that. <laughs> I, I, I'm now I, I hearing, we'll, now, Philip, I, I'm just letting you know, I'm hearing people out there now thinking, what is ridiculous about showing care and concern for a pet? Nothing. But that if it's a displacement uh, from having, you know, a sort of uh, two or more children in, in the family, uh, you know, you know, even without it being intentional, all these things. Are, I, I, I think Emmanuel is right. Not but, that but things pers- that pers- occur I, I, as people, I, I, yeah, people's but, lives are happening. But if society was sort of, you know, sort of uh, provide better sort of facilities and developmental possibilities for parents choosing to have a child or a second child, I think there might be more. Ch- there might be a slightly higher birth rate. You know, all these people with pets. Are those pets going to pay for their? pensions and for provide their, their care for them when they're very old in their 80s and 90s with the extending age rates uh, that, that's, that's happening now. You know, you know, society could be taking a very short-term uh, view of all this by simply saying, great, let's all cuddle. But, you know, what's going to happen in, in, in half a century when, the, when all those generations of pets are gone and those pet owners, you know, that maybe had one child and some of whom had no children, uh, need to be cared for, both in terms of services and uh, a provision for pension payments. You know, there is there is an issue of the whole kind of uh, lo- longer plan of society and the integrity of a society going on and keeping its shape to be able to provide uh, care at both ends of it. I mean, and therefore I think, you know, the proliferation of pets is a symptom of a society which isn't looking at to supporting enough uh, sort of uh, home uh, sort of supports, tax supports and sort of uh, rent supports or whatever is needed on that accommodation side of it for stability for that generation. Philip, please stay because that is a very interesting position and I, I, I just want to put it to, to, to uh, who else have I got here? Gillian. Gillian, good afternoon. Good afternoon. What do you make about what Philip is saying there that this... There is an issue, a, a real issue at the heart of what the Pope was saying in relation to, you know, where we go forward as a society. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a very valid point. I mean, obviously, I'm coming at it from the point of view of the animal welfare side of it. And obviously, we're very much for, you know, we welcome people who are loving animals, whether they have children already or whether the animals are filling the space. Because I think one of the things that's not really been mentioned at all is the fact that there are so many couples out there and families out there who can't have children. And and I think that has to be taken into account. It's the unspoken thing. There is so much going on in the background there where people can't have families. It's not that they choose not to have families. They can't. And they, they decide they're going to fill the void with pets, which is great for the animals because they're well cared for, they're well loved. Um, but, you know, you also have the situation where you can have the families who have animals 
and then the you know the, the mother gets pregnant and then the animals are got rid of so there's a negative side of it as well but you know from our point of view you know as long as animals are well cared for and they're not causing a problem Absolutely. People should be able to give their love to animals or to children or whatever they personally choose to do or but, are able but what, to do. But what about Philip's, Philip's uh, view there that, and Philip, maybe you might just say it again because I, just so I don't misrepresent what you're saying, but the idea that this displacement will be, when we look back at this, we will see that... <laughs> you put it very well, Kate. That's really what I'm saying. That's the displacement of, of, of our capacity for love and care, which is greater now maybe than it was in, in previous uh, generations of people. There is a, 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 a tremendous evolution uh, in, in ourselves socially and as people uh, in, in, in the last quarter of a century in, in terms of focusing outside beyond ourselves and moving away from being kind of authority figures like fathers and mothers and families, but, you know, to being a more nurturing kind of caring kind of people. But there is a sense that with the family uh, n- n- numbers sort of uh, shrinking to very little or none, that those who can't have children are not being uh, somehow going to be um, sort of uh, uh, coped for by those who can, because those who, who are in a position uh, to have families or to have children are having very small uh, families for various reasons, some personal choices which should not be morally kind of stood over in one, in one, in one bit at all. But I mean, I know that it cho- a certain number of people who have had a child or whatever like that or who would like to have a child are holding back because they're hoping that the circumstances will improve economically for them. And then the time can pass and it becomes too late. And then skip forward, if you like, two generations. And I'm saying that we, you know, okay, what they'll have done maybe is displaced or loads into families and other things in life and pursuits and all kinds of things. But that there will not be a, a sustaining generation of people at work or, you know, earning kind of the, uh, the wealth, whatever way it will be then, yeah. to sustain the increased over older population of people reaching, reaching 100 and or close to it, that sort of thing. But I Philip, think you were summarising it well anyway. Yeah, I, but I, as I was just going to say to you, Philip, though, uh, that that all is a fairly reasonable argument and a well, well argued by yourself there, but that Thanks. really wasn't. <laughs> what the Pope was saying, though, what Pope Francis was saying. I mean, he was very specific in 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 uh, in his remarks. He said, "Some people do not want to have a child. Um, they have dogs and cats that take the place of children, and this is a denial of fatherhood and motherhood that diminishes us and takes away our humanity." And uh, apparently, going back a few years in 2014, he was talking about this again, and he talked about this substituting pets for children was another phenomenon of cultural degradation. So he seems to have had much more a much more specific personal choice that he was 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 getting at, not in terms of the the impact mm, on society. I, I mean I'm I, I declare myself as kind of a uh, I went through my actual character phase and beyond it. So, I mean, I'm, I, you know, in that sense, I'm not a, a, a born a Catholic, not at all uh, able now to apologise for for the Pope as as a figure of the Church. But I, I, I think that maybe he's, he, you know, he, he's possibly care, entitled to be outspoken in some way in order to try and uh, to trigger or to be a catalyst for a debate that might need, that might end up having a softer outcome or, or you know, or, or a softer development. I definitely don't think, you know, you know a judgmental approach uh, to condemn people for not having children, yeah, you know, is it, it, you know, particularly it, when you're at the head of a church, which basically, uh, to, to be a member, you have to not have children, basically, uh, uh, if you want to be uh, on the on the I top tier. Yeah, I know that that's a kind of a nice, juicy kind of topic to get into, and people love talking about it. And, I, and, and I've done it myself throughout my life. But I just feel that uh, the reason I engage in this is I really feel it's a very into- important area to consider that people's choices invisibly to themselves and that people make 
take action and kind of, uh, you know, opt for certain things in life as, as life wheels along for them in the way that Emmanuel was saying. But some of those choices are certainly or invisibly influenced by the way society is geared towards uh, sort of supporting or not supporting family. And there is, there is a, a, a tremendously soft option available in terms of kind of uh, the proliferation of pets and a culture around that now, which, which wasn't there before. And I, I think there's a, there, there is a point about uh, uh, the love uh, that's available in some cases being displaced in, 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 into pets unknowingly and unconsciously without any kind of uh, moral kind of issue involved. It's more, uh, I, I think, more of the way society is, you know, failing, uh, you know, to plan for its kind of future survival as a kind of, as a decent society for, you know, for, for the aged population. And I'm also actually thinking the fact that there's a, dis- a dissatisfaction, that there is not the same satisfaction for um, for an adult, who, uh, or, or an adult couple who, who, who love or want to have a child or who have a child already. So it cannot be the same satisfaction in a pet. If it is, it would be rather perverse. I mean, there is no equality between pets and children. Although there is a snowflake kind of view prevailing at the moment, you know, among a certain kind of coterie society that, that that they all have the same rights and all that kind of stuff. You know, but that, 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 that doesn't matter. That, that could blow over. People will mature and get a bit beyond that uh, and realise there is a perspective on this. Do you, th- you, know? you think we're a bit soft or people have gone a bit soft in terms of... Yeah, the perspective, the perspective is in danger of kind of uh, going off balance in, in, that, in that sense. Animals... Uh, are not the equivalent of humans, you know, no matter how much pets are cherished. Oh, okay. So, that, 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 that I, might be I, I controversial don't have among some of our... those who, who can only have pets and all that. I wouldn't be judging people who, who, who uh, for various reasons, don't have well, children or choose to have them. But I, say, I think society makes it difficult for very many who would like to develop a family in that way and, and then pets oh, okay. become the kind of the default kind of way of, uh, of kind of managing the emotional side of that. Oh, okay, well, Gina has told us already. Gina, if you're still there, you, you prefer pets, to dogs to, to humans. I have found that from a lot, not all obviously, but a lot of the humans that I've come across in the last 25 years of doing what I do, um, I would prefer dogs to humans, yeah. Simple as. Well, you hear the humans I've met are really, really nasty. And I don't just mean with abusive animals, I mean in general. But, um, I mean, I've lots of friends. I did have a husband. He died. Um, But um, I had parents that I love very much and they both died. But um, at the same time, you know, I, I love being here with my dogs and watching the soaps and chilling out in the evenings and I wouldn't want half a dozen children running around the place. It's That's my choice, you know. And I don't feel that Pope Francis, not to mention Saint Francis, should tell me to do anything different. You know, it's, it's, I'm, I've just looked up the definition here of selfish. It's a concerned, arising from concern with one's own welfare or advantage in disregard of others. Now, I mean, people that choose not to have children or people that can't have children or people that have had children and the children have flown the nest... Um, they're 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 not um, looking at their own welfare in disregard to others. I mean that's that's it's a very very bad word that he used. You know, and and I think that um, you know you have to take each person as an individual, each case as an individual, and everybody has the reasons for doing what they do. And from my point of view, work wise, I'm delighted to see, as Gillian said there, uh, we're in the same business, so to speak, mm-hmm. that uh, people would would spoil and love their animals. I think it's brilliant, you know. 
Philip would say that that's displacement activity. And, well, no, uh, yeah. you know, no, in yeah. fairness, I, I would say that in, in the cases of certain certain kind of uh, family experiences and, and kind of, you know, it does displacement. But, but, but in Gina's case, whatever like that, I wouldn't make any judgment. I think it's very fortunate to, that, to live in a society where you can absolutely freely, uh, without judgment or fear of any moral censure or any, or any comment, um, sort of make that choice of lifestyle and enjoy it and, and, and live in it completely. And, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. That doesn't come yeah, into but, the but, discussion, but, but I think. Philip, you, know? you were just telling it's us that... It's not an animal welfare uh, really topic. That's a, a diversion from it, you know. I know, but I'm saying it's that... It's a distraction uh, from, from the fact that society overall, uh, through its governance, let's say in Ireland and in, uh, to some different ways in maybe other European countries as well, but certainly in Ireland at the moment, is not uh, enabling uh, young couples to... Um, you know, to, to, to kind of follow on and have two or three children or even four children. I, you know, I mean, I had four myself uh, throughout my life and it was, it was uh, my wife and it was difficult for both of us and, uh, but we, we embraced it and uh, we managed this and, uh, uh, you know, we, uh, we we went along and found our way to resource all our family through it. It was possible, but it's more difficult now for people to do that. And by the way, we didn't set out to have four. I mean, life, uh, as the second speaker says there, Emmanuel, evolves and rolls along and if it happens then, uh, it happens, and that's how so many children have been born throughout the ages. But, I mean, it's very difficult for uh, for couples who are happy to have a family like that and to let it extend to to, to, to allow that choice to happen now. And so it, it just may, strikes maybe, me, though. May, if, maybe having all these pets is, is a way of compensating for that. So there's, it's an indirect I, point, really. You know, but, as I, you say, but as you say that there, uh, it just strikes me, Philip, that could could there be this be something in, in the Pope's mind about, uh, could this be having a go at contraception? Because obviously that's part of the... the the agenda with, with, you know, and the tenets of the of the Catholic Church, uh, and could this be, you know, a, a go wish, at, at planned at planned parenthood as well? I, I, I wish, I, 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 you know, I read a lot of stuff, but I, I wish I knew more really about about the, the thinking and the writings of of, of Francis and, and those kind of stuff. Whether he adheres to what previous popes did, like, I mean, there was a, a case where a pope. You know, had to uh, kind of apologise for what other popes did back in back in you know medieval and, and, and other times. So it's not necessarily the case that he would be standing over, uh, uh, you know, the the, uh, the ultra conservative reactionaries, uh, you know, who, who spoils Vatican II. It's, it strikes me that he, he's not that he's much more maybe in line with John Paul III overall. But I don't I know too little about it to really uh, you know to, to, to okay. comment well, 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 other, well, may- other than broadly like that. Okay, okay. Well, maybe we'll have we have other listeners who who might be able to fill us in a bit better yeah, on that. Yeah, but I have more I have more calls coming in on this, and I okay. want to take them. But I, will you hang on there because we want to take a quick break. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And we were talking about those remarks by uh, Pope Francis yesterday where he said that uh, he believed it was selfish to have pets instead of having children. Uh, Ray White. Ray, good afternoon. Yeah, hello. How are you? Do you agree with the Pope? Well, I do, yeah, because um, a lot of people get pets uh, to fill a gap in their own lives and they really don't think enough about the pet itself. Right. And, but but sorry, uh, this, yeah, this is slightly, I think, on an, another side of this that we hadn't explored. But I mean, just the idea that there is a selfishness about substituting pets for children, as in that that's, I think that's where the Pope was coming from. Yeah, well, you know, that's what it is. It, it, there is a selfishness there, that they're, they're filling a gap with a pet that they think is easier than having a child. And it's not. 
A pet needs as much care as a child. It has to be walked for two or three hours a day. It needs to be fed and fed good food and not just the cheapest stuff you can buy in Don's whatever store. You know, it needs a lot of care, a lot of love and a lot of attention. And people get them to fill a gap in their own lives. And that's what it is. It's, there is a selfishness there. They're not thinking about the pet. They're thinking about something to pet when they come home. I've left it in solitary confinement for 12 hours a day looking at the four walls. Do you think people, like when people make a decision to have a child, that that's, you know, is that not them filling a gap as well? Yeah, it can be. It can be. And, and and people have children, especially in 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 poorer countries. And they're thinking of their 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 you know old age and being looked after and all this kind of thing. There can be an element of selfishness there. Uh, but you're saying you you think that the Pope has a point in that uh, this this displacement of 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 attention from away from having a child to having a pet is not a good thing. Yeah, it's not a good thing. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sorry, but, you know, there is a, they're filling a gap and they think it's a slightly easier gap, you know, than, than a child. Yeah, I, th- you know? I think most parents would say it is slightly easier, in fairness, to have a pet rather than a child. <laughs> slightly easier, but... but <laughs> As I was saying, really. greatly easier in some cases. Well, yeah, but it's greatly easier if you don't really love the pet and you're just filling a gap in your own life because a pet needs a lot of attention a lot of money you know I have a dog myself and it's cost me around 20,000 euros since I got it you know so like it's not a, an easy matter uh, to, to, to have a pet if you really love it it's very easy if you don't care too much about it and you just want to pet it every now and again you know right uh, OK, Ray, I, I want to bring in uh, Jason. Jason, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Katie. Good afternoon. Um, um, yeah, if we're going back to that, this, this, the, the, what the Pope was saying, that this line, I'll just repeat it again, uh, that sometimes uh, pets take the place of children and that uh, we see this as a form of selfishness. I think, I think that the Pope should come out. I think he should retract it. I think he should... Go and look for some penance and look for some forgiveness from his flock because he's just insulted me and my wife um, directly. Uh, I'm a 50-year-old man. I'm a self-employed person. Myself and my wife married very late in life. We decided we wanted to have children. We ran out of time. We went for IVF. Uh, I failed. We eventually ended up going to the States. Um, to get donor eggs, all in all, about four years of heartache and 100,000 euros, which we personally had to pay for, which I didn't see any Catholics running to support me or offer me sort of uh, time off purgatory or anything. Um, While through that time, um, I've been with my wife now for nearly 11 years, I have three dogs. I have two Jack Russells. They're now 11 years old. I've had them since our our 12-year-old dog was robbed outside our house. Probably by, by one, of the, one of the Pope's gentlemen, I'd imagine. Um, the two Jack Russells that I have are 11 years old. They sleep in the bed with me, as does the rescue dog, a small little girl, little, little, little rescue dog. So we got her as well. So we have three dogs and we have two boys, um, three years of old, three years age. Um, I do hope they'll live long enough to pay 
for taxes to contribute to the Catholic Church. Um, do you know what I mean? If that's what all it's about, having children. Yeah. I'm incensed by it. I was going to say. Absolutely I, I, incensed by I, re- I was just going to say. How dare he? Yeah. How dare he call me a selfish individual? I have three dogs because I'm not a selfish individual. I took a rescue dog on because I'm not a selfish individual. I went to the extreme lengths more than anybody you could argue in history, I would say. And I, I don't say that lightly, Katie. There's a hundred grand to have two children and to be able to travel. The time off, the, 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 the lengths that myself and my wife went to have children is pretty, pretty unique. Okay? I can't see many couples like me, but they're growing. They're out there. There are people who are having a career. They're going off traveling. They may have heart conditions. They may have problems with the, in their lives. They may have issues with their lives. They're getting married later. They're deciding to have kids maybe later in life. And the, the science is allowing them to do this. So who is, the church, who, is, who is a man named Francis who's never probably had sex with a lady in his life? I okay? know. He doesn't okay. know anything about... Okay. I'm sorry. It's, it's called sex, isn't this? I, I'm sorry, but that's what we're talking about here. I mean, that's how children are got, isn't this? And if a man who's supposed to be representing Catholics throughout the world is going to go and stand up and say, we all better go out and have some more sex, well, then he's talking through his hat, and he needs to come out and apologize. And I officially, on the radio in Ireland... Myself, I resign from the Catholic Church completely now because I've no faith in the director whatsoever. If the director of a company is insulting his staff, which is exactly what he's done, he's called them selfish and layabout and that you're going to pay for it eventually. And dogs are not the same as... as I'm sorry, I offer the same amount of care and love that I do to my, to my animal. Okay, that I that I won't say to my child, but I, I would that I would to, to to most creatures on this in this pla- on this planet. Okay, obviously you have a, you you have a, a bond with a child which goes goes stronger than that. But animals, of course, they're they're earthlings. I share this planet with their time, so I will treat them with the respect they deserve. Of course, I would. How is that selfish? I want an animal in my life. I love having animals in my life. My two little boys walk our dogs in the park. And we get smiles and grins from other Catholics in the park walking, who seem to be very happy with us doing it. So I really don't know where this guy is coming off. And he better get off the tree and join the rest of the queue at the back of the, about, you know what I mean, trying to get back into the church. Because we're not going to go back in the church when there's a leader left. Not a chance in hell. So, Katie, that's my, that's my two oh, cents. I appreciate everything. Did you I, want to come I, back with something? Or? Just honestly, have you any sense at all, Jason, of where, where his head is at with this? Like, can you can you see what he was maybe trying you, to get you, at? You you alluded to the point that that's maybe it's to do with, with contraception and, and it's a kind of a stab in the dark. But but he's not making any friends. I mean, the Catholic Church Church has to really start paddling fast up the stream here to get people because they've made no they've made no friends in the last. I'm, I'm nearly fifty. In the fifty years I've been alive. The Catholic Church has diminished and they've made no friends whatsoever. So to, for the leader to come out and say that, he's just, he's just you know, as I said, I resigned from the Catholic uh, Church. Uh, and that's, I'm fed up now, you know what I mean? I know. When I, I'm going to be I, insulted by the, by, the, by the boss man. I can d- definitely... For the, for the lengths of myself, there's no... He's not, he wasn't there when myself and my wife were on the side of the road crying our bloody eyes out thinking that we'd never have children. Okay? After spending money on IVF and her, her going through, I, I don't know, the women of the world out there who've been through IVF, you know what I'm talking about here. Okay? I supported my wife through every single day and hour and minute throughout that and through everything else. And I was there at the birth of our twin boys and I held them aloft and it was the happiest day of my life. And I thank God we went, to it, went through it and I thank her with all, every, every essence of me, I thank her. 
for, for giving them my two beautiful boys. I, well, uh, but I'll church, say that to the Catholic Church. But isn't that, I'll say that to the Catholic is Church. Is that okay? not, uh, Jason, is it, uh, am I right in saying that IVF is, is still remains against church teachings, that, that uh, the church would not I'd, support... I'd, I'd imagine so. I'd imagine so, yeah. I'd imagine so. You know, I mean, I, I stopped caring a long, long time ago, Katie. You know what I mean, I did. I really did. So it doesn't matter what the Catholic Church does. But officially, if they want to be that way, that's not themselves. But, you know, for the, for the state, I have now got two boys who are going to take over my business and they're going to contribute to society and they're going to become employers and they're going to go on contributing to society and they're going to be progressive people in this world. So that's what I've done. That's myself and my, my wife did. Okay, and your so wife for the state. Did your wife of this right. like this today when this when this came up? Did did your wife have the the same? Did have the same triggering? Absolutely incensed. Yeah. Absolutely incensed. Both of us are animal lovers. Both of us had pets. Both of us nurtured, and of course, people use them as crutches. That's what they're there for. That's what they're there for, for God's sake. When you've no one else to lean to and to and to trust, my God, you can get the trust out of a dog. A dog looking up at you, or a cat, or whatever your animal is. If that's what it, if that's what you need in life to get through, well, then God bless you. God bless you for being unselfish and taking some other creature into your life and sharing it with him. You know, it, the, the man is on the cuckoo land. Cuckoo land. It does. He's, he's insulted animal 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 owners, and he's insulted people who are struggling with with childbearing. And that is not just me. It's it's a lot of people out there. A lot of people out there who, I, I, I mean, if I'd heard this news just after the day my wife and myself had failed our first IVF, holy gee, Mac, what would I have thought then? My God, I, I wouldn't be on the phone to um, Katie. I'd be running to Dublin. I'd be running to Dublin to be, uh, to be actually taken over the show. Okay, that's how, how, how sensitive I'd be about. Because it, it's just, it, it's... Uh, it's extremely, it's I, extremely, it's, 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 it's upsetting. And it's, it's, um, I, 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 I feel for people out there going through what we went through. Um, and I, I wish you all well and persevere as best you can because if you do get children at the end of it, my God, everything else just fades into insignificance. Because having your two little children is the most amazing experience you'll ever So persevere, it's worth all the pain, the torment, the expense. Um, and to the state, go and do something more for your for your taxpayers, for your employers when they're struggling in life to have a start a family. Okay, do something more. We got no support, none, zero, zip, and it's difficult. It's difficult to go through it. It's difficult to to live with it. It's difficult to have the questions posed at you. You know, um, and you're, you've got all sort of this, and it's financially it's difficult. So to have nothing from the state is is is. You know, and then they expect the world from you when you're coming out the other side. They're expecting my kids to, you know, grow up in this society and pay taxes and all the rest. But yet they do nothing to help us. And and we're, what, a, we're, a, we're, a, we're a, there's a growing number of professionals out there, and not just professionals, but people who are who are having children later, who are having more difficulty. I mean, what I found out through the whole experience is that infertility is is a global pandemic. Never mind disease; it's a huge problem. And and uh, I mean, men and women are both suffering infertility. In fact, you know, I mean. The states, we had to go to the states, and they were amazed. They were amazed with with the level of, of fertility, even in Ireland, compared to even the states. Uh, just talking to the consultants, so it, it's a massive issue globally. And the the, the 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 Pope needs to come out, and God, he needs to say something to appease what he just said, because 
Yeah. It's just it's madness. It's madness. Sorry, uh, Katie. And what age, what age did you say your boys are now, Jason? They're three. They're three years old. Oh my God! Old. I cannot imagine just hearing, you know, all your emotion around this 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 issue. But just, I cannot imagine the day those boys arrived. It must have been an extraordinary day in your life and your your wife's life. I ba- I ba- I bathed both of them. I gave them their first baths. I cut the umbilical cord. My wife was out of it completely. <laughs> a poor woman. But I was there for the children. I took them out and uh, it was an incredible experience. And I've made myself and my wife the happiest people in the world. And we're oh so thankful to be alive. And um, that, that, yeah, he can come out and say something silly like that and stupid, but he needs to retract it. He needs to come back and 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 and... and and uh, maybe clarify it or something because it's really insensitive. But yes, we're the happiest people in the world. We're delighted. Our kids are being loved as much as, as, as any children could be in the possible world. And uh, we're, we're fantastic parents and we love them to bits. Ah, it's, uh, I mean, as you say, so many people don't get that happy, that, that happy ending to that infertility journey. But when it happens, it is uh, amazing. Um, it, the, the, the clouds spread... <laughs> the yeah. sun came out the birds started singing the whole nine yards yeah. it was it was an incredible experience and every day is an incredible experience and really being a parent it's it, it, and it dawns on me I mean I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an old parent I'm nearly 50 you know so I mean but I think with the maturity I've learned and I've gained throughout my life I think I'm doing an awful lot of good things with my children that maybe I would, wouldn't have done as an inexperienced younger man well there's um, no doubt but you appreciate every so, second there anyway absolutely absolutely and, and of course, as you say now, you are now an ex-Catholic from about what ten minutes ago. I resign um, officially. Officially, I'm a resigned uh, Catholic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I actually think I, I don't think they're letting people resign anymore. I know there was a phase a number of years ago where they were actually allowing uh, you to take your name off the list, but uh, I think it might be more complicated than, than just turning up on Live Line and saying it, Jason. Well, look, my, 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 my faith is open for, uh, <laughs> uh, it's looking for a new home, put it that way, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I take it you weren't a regular churchgoer before, before, before today. No, but I, look, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus and all that, and I believe that there's something something after and all that, not necessarily that he's a beardy chap up in the sky, but um, yeah, I think there's possibly something up there, you know, and uh, more, I, I, you know, I like the Catholic Church, I like the Protestant Church, I like all the churches for their sense of morals, and I think that's really what we, we need to take from them is, is a sense of morals it's a moral handbook if you like for life and really that's it and that's what we need to adapt it for for modern life it's just a way of living life and they need to be adapted okay. but really I don't think much people believe in, in, in the reality of, of, of what the Catholic Church is uh, Okay a bigger like, question for you Jason bigger <laughs> question what about the boys are you going to be bringing them for their first story communion? Big question, big question. Um, we're looking for a, a non-denominational, but really we'll do what's best for the children. Uh, we're down here in Kerry. If that means going to a good Catholic school, I'll go to a good Catholic school. Um, I'm not going to get religion, put, put, you know, put, put religion in the way of my children's education. So whatever is the best for them, they'll get it. Right. Uh, and that's the way I'd put it. Okay, Jason, many thanks. Uh, Strong feelings there, but uh, really appreciate you sharing them with us today. Uh, We'll take a break. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815.
Now, we might leave that just for a little while because I want to um, touch on this issue of children's um, children being brought for vaccinations. And of course, uh, when they opened registration for children um, from the ages of five to 14 to get vaccinations, uh, we were told that children with uh, underlying conditions with medical complications would be prioritised. Uh, but is that happening? And you can imagine how, especially schools opening up again today, uh, children, parents of children w- with these kind of complications uh, will have their heart crossways uh, in relation to um, how virulent uh, things are out there in the virus world right now. I want to go to Mary. Mary, good afternoon. Hello, Katie. Thank you for taking my call. Um my daughter is five and she was born with a severe congenital heart defect called hypoplastic left heart, which means she has half a working heart. Um, and I registered her last Tuesday for the vaccine. Um, and the man on the HSE, the end of the line, he was very helpful, asked me what time would suit better. I said, any time the first available and I would drive anywhere for it. I didn't hear anything at all, but have since heard this week that children with no underlying difficulties are being vaccinated. And I didn't send my children to school today because I think the numbers are so high. Her particular presentation is rare. She's on medication and I am afraid of the effect that her contracting COVID in school would have. She goes to a fantastic local primary school where when contact tracing stopped, the principal would phone me if there was a case in the class. But now I feel that numbers have got so high, the principal couldn't possibly be able to continue doing that. And it's just, I feel really frustrated today that children with no underlying difficulties have been vaccinated ahead of her when we have missed out on a lot of activities by trying to stay safe. Okay, just first of all, you you know that where where were those children without underlying conditions, as you say, being vaccinated? Was that in Dublin yesterday? So, well, I know in the RDS yesterday, in the RDS yesterday, there were children with no underlying uh, conditions being vaccinated, and they had only registered the day before. I was just going to say that they they only opened up the portal for for the general population of that age group uh, on on Tuesday, right? That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, that's right. Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. And uh, so already, so people were immediately getting, obviously, the next day appointments uh, the minute they, they put their children's names into that into that uh, yeah. portal. Uh, but you say you, uh, you the vaccinations uh, opened up for um, children like your daughter on December 28th. And what did they to say register. to you? To register. And did you did yeah. you do that online or you, you said you spoke to somebody in the HSE? I did it online. So I have my son is 10. So I needed to register. So I actually did it online and then I phoned because... Anyway, yeah, so I did both. Right. And the man on the phone said, he took all my details, said, yes, you should hear this week. I said, thank you. And I also said we, could, we would go anywhere for the vaccine and take any time. But nothing. And it's just, so my children aren't in school today and it's just, it's just so disappointing and frustrating. I know. And I'm, I'm so conscious that, you know, we are now being bombarded with every, every headline telling us that, you know, it's 20,000 cases today. And that's, you know, that's an underestimation. We're told because we're not testing everyone. We can't test everyone at the moment that just... 
you know, the way that things have gone with Omicron, if you have somebody, if you are yourself or you have somebody in your house or particularly you have a young child like, a, like your daughter with these kind of uh, complications, medical issues, it must be a very, very nervous time. It is a nervous time. It is. And I know lots of people are contrasting it and it's fine. It's only a cold and it passes. And that's fantastic. But I just don't know if that would be the case for us. And we have spent a lot of time over the past few years in hospital. And I just don't want to face into that. It's too much of a risk for us to take. And also the risk of long COVID. Um, I suppose I've had experience of hospitals, Katie, and sometimes I think when you've had that experience, maybe I'm sure other parents will identify that I just don't want to take that risk by sending them to school. And I I just, yeah, it would be just fantastic if they had the vaccine, if they had been vaccinated yesterday in the RDS with with them. You know, it would just have put us a few days ahead that maybe they could have gone to school on next Monday. I could have sent them in almost every week. Yes. So it's not just your daughter, it's her brother as well, obviously, who ha- who you can't take the risk of him come bringing it home into the house either. No. Yeah. No. No. Um, and, and your little girl, she's obviously, she's well enough to attend mainstream education. She is. She's done amazing. Yeah, she is. She is. But um, like she has missed, like she's had two full weeks in school since September um, because she just gets cough she gets things much more easily than another child might now I know lots of kids get sick at five but she it takes more out of her than it might another child um and that's that's my worry but she's she has done amazing yes and she is doing very well and does she understand at all what's happening here why why she can't be in school or you know yes Plus, well, she's really, so last night she was like, Mom, I am going to school tomorrow. So she loves school. And I, it makes me feel like a really bad parent that I'm not sending her to school. Like I actually, my heart would love to send her to school today, but I don't know, like people have been out and about. I don't know who'll be at her table. Do you know, like I'm just, I worry that somebody might unconsciously send their child into school with symptoms and she might get it. But yeah, she would absolutely love to be in school. Um, she knows that it's COVID and she's, she knows that she has to get a vaccine and that when she gets that, that things will be better. Um, it's uh, even to have to explain these things to a five year old is, is it's very tough, isn't it? It is. It is tough. And I just feel for her and for her brothers that they have missed out on a lot of things, particularly her. Like she has. She, we've missed her, like we cancelled the Panto in December, um, which I was thinking about before Tony Holland suggested it because I was thinking that the numbers were getting high and I didn't want us to go and sit in a theatre, you know, where we don't know who we're sitting beside or, you know. So she's, missed, yes, they have certainly missed out on a lot of, like lots of other children. I know there's lots, you know. But I just, for school for them is a joy and they love going and it's it's so destroying to have them at home today. And I actually drove to the RDS this morning and brought all our IDs with us, thinking that maybe if we turned up, that I know we're on the system, but they weren't doing children this morning. It was only a walk-in for uh, for adults. But I'd hoped that they might have done it. uh, And... (laughs) 
Yeah, you, you say you spoke to, to, to somebody. I know, and I know those people who pick who are on those helplines, the HSE helplines, are, I mean, generally very, very helpful people and very yes. patient people. Uh, but were they, you know, did, do, do you think they really were, were in any position to give, you know, to give you an indication of when you might get that? I don't know. They never asked what her condition was or anything when I registered her on the 28th. And I have since, since Monday, I have phoned the HSE several times, the helpline number, to see, you know, was it recorded okay? Have I missed something? But uh, I've, I can't get through to anybody. Like, I've waited 15, 20 minutes to go, and I haven't been able to speak to anybody to say where is our appointment or could we get one. Okay, but obviously, as you say, when you hear about other children who, as we understand uh, yeah. it, you don't have yeah. the kind of issues that your daughter has. no. And yeah, yeah. It's just, it's obviously, I mean, I, I'm sure not deliberate in any way, but uh, no. you're, you're just afraid that she may have fallen through the, the cracks in some way. I'm afraid, like, it's obviously a mistake, I think. Like, it's been an oversight on somebody's part, which is okay, but I just wish they could amend it or I could get through to somebody and be offered an appointment. And am I right in saying that, that GPs or, and pharmacies are not giving the, the children's vaccine to children? This, this vaccine? Um, no, we have a fantastic pharmacist and no, as of today, he's not. They're yeah. not running Yeah, because of course it's a different dose and we're told that, that it's a different, there are different uh, supplies, supply lines. So you can't just walk in anywhere and get it. Um, Look, I I don't know, Mary, I'll just say to you, I wish you the very, very best. And I hope, you know, when we hear the story that that whoever is in charge of these things in the HSE will, 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 um, you know, be alerted to this and see that there are children in your, your daughter's position who desperately need to, to get that that vaccine into their arms and, and to get them back to school and back to normality. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Thanks for taking my call. And I know I'm not the only person. I'm, like I know there are others in a similar situation, but thank you for taking my call. OK, very, very best of luck to you, Mary. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Now, yesterday we heard from uh, Mary Vesigi, who uh, told us about bringing her daughter and uh, her daughter's dog to the airport on Christmas Eve to return back on an Air France flight to Paris. And uh, when they got there, they were told that the Dublin Airport Authority has changed its baggage handling process and that they were no longer able to accept dogs um, and dogs could no longer travel back through Dublin Airport. Uh, So Mary was presented with this situation um, ended up having to go home with with her daughter's dog again her daughter went off to France but they noticed while they were in the middle of this that there was another um, a couple uh, at another check-in desk with the same issue and with the dog with them and being told that the dog couldn't travel and they ended up taking that dog Mary ended up taking that dog home with her as well and that dog belongs to Tina Harper good afternoon Tina Good afternoon, Katie. How are you? I'm good. So you you were at the airport on Christmas Eve as well? Yeah, on, on New Year's Eve. On yes. New Year's yes. Eve. Apologies. New Year's Eve, yeah. And yeah. describe to me what happened. Yeah, so like Mary, we were checking in, lining up, um, and then we got the check-in and the assistant said, I'm sorry, but uh, we cannot take dogs. 
and we were completely flabbergasted because we had flown the dog in um, in December and we had flown the dog out last January and last August as well um, and had, you know, rang up, made the booking for ourselves and then rang and um, made the booking for the dog with our friends. And there was no mention of any of any constraints or any problems um, in terms of taking the dog out. So we were amazed. Um, and then, of course, that turned to shock and um, kind of tears from the children. What are we going to do? How, you know, how do we take care of the dog? Uh, sorry, so, Ma'am, Tina, just to be clear, are you living in, in France now? Yes, yeah. All right, so you were just home visiting family or whatever for Christmas? Exactly, yeah. Uh, and this is your family dog, your pet? Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the dog's name? Her name is Roxy. Roxy. Okay, so yeah. there you are with Roxy at a check-in desk uh, with the kids and you're being told, I'm sorry, Roxy can't come. Yeah. Um, so we got on the phone straight away to, to Air France to try and understand what the problem was. Um, they told us there was no problem from their side. The dog could travel. Um, the DAA were telling us, no, they couldn't travel. But the person we were speaking to didn't have a clear answer as to why. Um, and then uh, my daughter saw that there was a, an issue at the other check-in desk. So she liaised with Mary and her daughter um, and then all of us together were trying to talk to the DAA and to try to get them to take the dogs Um, and in the end we realised it just wasn't going to happen and then Mary was amazing and she stepped in and uh, said that she would take our dog as well um, because um, Steve, my partner, he was going to stay behind and try to find a solution Um, but in the end, uh, yeah, Mary was great and and stepped in and, and agreed to take Roxy. I, I, I'm just trying to picture this scenario where this complete strain, you've never clapped eyes on yeah. Mary before in your life. <laughs> and, uh, and you are there and obviously the flight is going to leave so you don't have enough yeah. of time to make a decision. And, you, exactly. and Mary says, I'll take, I'll take her. And you say, grand so? I mean, well, did, no, you, did you have some concerns? <laughs> yes, you do ask yourself questions. But... You know, sometimes you you meet you you know you just have a feeling, and I thought, well, she was obviously very concerned about her own dog or her, and her daughter. So you could see the level of concern there, and she seemed like a very genuine person, which has turned out to be the case. So it was just it was just a yeah, decision we made there and then, and we were all even though we, the children were upset at leaving the dogs, and we just felt Mary was someone that we could trust, and that was the the, the easiest or the best solution at that stage because we had quickly also looked at ferries and realised. We weren't going to be able to get out quickly and we both need to be back for work. Uh, so it was the choice that we made. Yeah, and as I say, you didn't have an awful lot of time to think about it, yeah. really. Um, yeah. And as it turns out then, if I recall from Mary's um, conversation with us yesterday, there had been a plan to try and take the dogs, the dog over by boat, yeah. but that hasn't worked yeah. out. No, so we had booked a flight for this, uh, um, a boat sailing for this Saturday, but unfortunately... Um, due to uh, bad weather, that sailing has been has been cancelled. Um, so now, uh, last night we looked online again, and at the moment the plan is on the twentieth. Um, I think Steve will fly into Dublin. He'll get the bus down to Wexford. Uh, we'll then get the dogs in Wexford, and then he'll take both dogs um, on the ferry. I will. He will arrive in Cherbourg the next day. I'll meet him in Cherbourg with the car, and then we'll drive back to Paris. And then we'll have our dog and we'll give Mary's daughter's dog back to her as well. Right. Um, yeah. So, um, fantastic level of cooperation from two complete strangers <laughs> to get two yeah. dogs uh, from Ireland. I think we should make a movie about this, actually. It's <laughs> bring, bringing Roxy home. Um, yeah. but, but Roxy's getting on grand with Mary and her dog. 
Yeah, no, it's great. And they've been very good. We're getting videos every day and photographs. And the, so the children are delighted to see that. Um, so that, that's working out very well. But we need to probably get her back to Wexford before, before the 20th. As I don't want to abuse Mary's generosity either. But you're um, going to have a long-term problem now, though. And, and if, if Mary mm. was saying that they were told that there's dozens of people left in the situation, yep. if, if, if Dublin Airport are no longer willing to, to handle dogs. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually amazed um, at how unprofessionally this new policy has been implemented um, by the DAA. Um, according to their website, this has been in place since the 19th of July. But we flew our dog out on the 24th of August and there wasn't a problem. Um, in the meantime, the Irish Mur covered it on August 17th, um, saying, you know, and highlighting that there was a problem. And then five months later, um, there's still a problem. And it's not just one or two dogs, as Mary said yesterday, there seems to be close to 50 um, or, you know, that are in Ireland without a way out. Um, now, I, I'll just so say to you, Tina, that, that, I mean, we did read out some of the, the statement that we got from, because we covered this on this programme, yeah. or Joe covered this on this programme in September. Uh, like, they're following, they say, EU regulations, um, <laughs> and that's the issue for them, and they got yeah. new, you, 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 you know, you heard this. Yeah, and that's fine that they have to put in a, a new, they have to follow regulations, but I'm just really surprised that they ha- haven't communicated to the airlines because Air France were completely unaware of it, and we've spoken to them since, and they're still not aware of it. Air Canada was the case that was cited in the Irish Mayor in August. Um, if there are up to 50 dogs in the country, multiple airlines seem not to have received the communication. Yes, there does seem to be some communication issue, but if, as I say again, DA would say they're, they're, they're being very professional, as professional as they can, but with a difficult situation. Uh, but... Uh, that is something you're going to have to um, f- find a way around, Tina and Mary. But an incredible story there of two two strangers coming together uh, at a moment in the airport and uh, solving a problem, an immediate problem that had to be sorted. Um, I, Tina's gone for me there, but I will take our last break now. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818-715-815. Susan, good afternoon to you. Hello, Kate. Going back to uh, that issue that has caused quite the stir, those comments uh, that the Pope made in relation to people having pets instead of having children. Yeah. You see where he's coming from. I do, really, yes. I, I I think his comments were really addressed to young couples who are just at the point of making a decision on whether or not to have children. And I think that um, he's really encouraging. In fact, he does say at one stage, you know, not to be afraid, uh, not to be afraid to embark on parenthood, you know. And I, I think that's really where he's coming from. It's not addressed to people who are childless and who can't have children or who are des- who have desperately done all they can, etc., etc. And I know I was I was in that situation myself. So um, I kind of had the experience of not having children and having children because uh, when we married, we we wanted to have kids, but and then we discovered we couldn't. And so for many years we were childless and. Uh, I have to say, I didn't feel that anything was lacking. You know, I love my husband. Uh, you you fulfil yourself in other ways. I think love fulfils you, so the love with other people, etc. But then, at a certain stage, we were able to adopt children, and we had two. We have two adopted children, and. It's such an incredible experience because I didn't think I was going to have that experience. And then when you do, you realize that parenthood really stretches you in a way that nothing else does. 
and um, and I think that's what the Pope. I know several people, friends of mine, and their kids are saying um, we're not going to have we're not going to have children because of the planet. There's no hope for the future. Uh, the way it's going with climate change, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We're not going to contribute to that. And it's so kind of hopeless. You know, it's so sad because. When you have children, you realise it's such a gift. It's such a beautiful experience. And so I think that's what the Pope is saying. He's saying, have courage, have children, trust in the future. You know, well, he's planet. saying have children and don't have pets. <laughs> well, I don't think he's really saying that. I think, you know, I mean, I think at the end of the day, every person has to look into their own heart and their own conscience and decide we can manage children or psychologically I can't manage a child or whatever but he's really asking young couples to be generous okay. and to trust you can actually do this and it's, it's hope for the future to really to have this hope for the future because if okay. everybody says we're not going to have kids we'll have pets instead we won't have a future and the other thing is just if people so, don't have children you know that could be the next Beethoven or the next you know that you're not going because you decide that no, we won't have any kids you know let's just okay. keep it simple so, and I'm going to have to cut across you and let you go we're actually over time many thanks for that there's other callers uh, hanging on I didn't get to them we might get to them tomorrow uh, but today's programme was produced by Annette Egan research was by Richie Byrne on sound we had Liam Mullen and Daniel Keating was the BCO uh, stay tuned now for Ray Darcy Liveline on RT Radio 1 with the all new Kia Sportage built for endless inspiration the all new Sportage now at your local Kia dealer 0818 715 815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie